Welcome to the Church Brand Guide Podcast. My name is Michael Persad. This is the podcast where we want to serve you as your virtual communications director to provide clear communication strategy because we believe that confusion is the enemy of your vision. My hope is that this podcast is a help to you. There are three ways you can support this podcast. One is to subscribe. Second is to share it so other people can be helped by it. And the third way is to leave a review. I'm really excited to jump into our podcast episode for today because I know you're going to get a lot out of it as we have a special guest speaker, Mike Signorelli, who started V1 Church in New York City. He's actually now has two campuses in New York City, and he's going to give some great insights that'll help just about any church out there that's facing uh, struggles and growing or, or reaching anybody that's skeptical in your community. And uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, Before we do, I want to give you a heads up on a great tool called Church Marketing University. This is a tool that has been developed to help you as a church leader, as a church communicator, market your church. And I want to take just a moment in our podcast to let you know about it because uh, I really believe in the tool and that it's, it's going to do some amazing things for your church. Um, it covers great topics. It's, it's basically an online course that you can take uh, courses on how to do the latest marketing that's available for churches and, and how to do it well, how to do it effectively covers um, a basic overview, um, talks about guest experience. Uh, so bo- the overview is about marketing in general, like how, how do, can churches use it? Um, there's, there's guest presenters as well as Ryan Wakefield, who's the expert that put everything together. And uh, they just talk on different topics. Um, how do you get guests uh, to come, make them feel welcome? It talks about photography, search engines, and you've probably heard about search engine optimization and maybe just don't know where to start. Uh, this course will help you to jump in and know what to do. It talks about email marketing. Uh, how about branding? That's the course that I do personally with Ryan. We unpack what is branding and, and uh, we just tackle that topic. It talks about social media in general. Uh, Ryan also unpacks a website and what it takes to create a great effective website for your church. Uh, it talks about communication. Another topic is on texting. Uh, there's a module on video, uh, so video production. How do you use that? How do you post it? The ins and outs, the how-tos on how to do it. There's a module on big events. Uh, there's an Easter module. Uh, there's a launch module if you are launching a church or launching anything that's big, an initiative of some kind. There's a there's a whole module on Facebook ads, and the marketing management module is amazing. It just unpacks how do you schedule things out. So the reason I'm taking a moment to do this, uh, to let you know about Church Marketing University, is because it's only open for a few days. And uh, once it's closed, then you can't get it uh, except for a by paying a regular price. So it's only open for a few days at a discounted price. And I want to make sure you get in on it before it closes. At the time of this recording, if you're listening to it, it's uh, it's going to close in March. So March, the um, it's a Thursday. March the 14th is the last day that you can get Church Marketing University before it closes for the spring. This is in 2019 if you're listening in the future. And uh, once it closes, then you have to pay uh, over twice as much to, to get Church Marketing University right now. Uh, it's normally a $2,500 course. Right now it's on sale for um, $997, and it's going to close after this Thursday. So I wanted to take a moment just to un, un, uh, just to let you know about this tool. Um, again, great, amazing topics such as Insta- Instagram, 
uh, volunteers. It talks about how to get the volunteers to help you with their social media and your marketing. It talks about Google Grants. Maybe you've heard of that, but Google's given away lots of money, tens of thousands of dollars to help you do marketing. Copywriting. So all these different things. And I, again, I, I, I really feel that it's going to help you quite a bit as a church leader, as a church communicator, to have this resource that you can go back into and uh, be able to either do it yourself, which is, that's a lot. There's a bunch of different things going on. But even better is that you can give it to your team and they can execute it. Volunteers in your church, now they have a tool that shows them how to do this well. And I think that's the power of Church Marketing University. It's a video course that your team can utilize and execute the the best marketing tactics that are available to us today as churches and uh, execute it well at a high level because you're, they're shown how to do it. And uh, there's downloads and PDFs and all sorts of things that you can uh, use as part of the course to then customize everything for your church. So once again, Church Marketing University, make sure you jump in before Thursday is over because once it's over, then they close it down and you will have to pay full price. Um, So make sure you get it today. For right now, let's jump into our podcast episode with Mike Signorelli. Hey everyone, welcome to the Church Brand Guide podcast. This is Michael Prasad uh, with Mike Signorelli today. He's our guest and Mike's a uh, church planter. Uh, he's a couple years into it now, but um, he'll tell us a little bit about, about his story. But he's going to join us today and talk about this idea of skepticism. Uh, so he's in New York City, and it's one of the biggest things that he has to face as an obstacle to reach people in that city. And uh, what, what I've enjoyed about talking with Mike over um, the last couple of years that, that I've known him is that um, he just is innovative in, in ways to uh, bring a uh, fresh perspective to that community so that they are more willing and able to come to the church. So he's with V1 Church. Mike, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Well, thanks for having me on and thanks for everyone who's listening right now. We're going to try to jam this thing full of so much value that you feel like it's the best decision you made of your life to listen to it. So I just want to say that up front. <laughs> oh, I love it, Mike. Thanks. That's exactly what we try to do with the podcast. We just want to help you guys out as much as we possibly can, share ideas from different churches and different places. And man, I hope you can grab a couple things that you can apply in your church. Mike, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Um, tell us who you are, uh, about your church, and what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there's this saying, this old adage, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. So I'm the only reason why we're going to tell any of my story today is because I believe that the people who are listening, if it works in New York, it might work three times better in Albuquerque or Wichita or Duluth. Um, so I really believe that some of the barriers that we've learned how to break out here in the concrete jungle can really help you if you're in some rural town and you know, uh, Michigan or whatever, but I'm originally from Indiana and I moved from Northwest Indiana, which is like home of Michael Jackson and steel mills and that kind of, and, and corn stalks, ironically all mixed into one <laughs> and moved out to Queens, which is one of the five boroughs of New York city and where we border Brooklyn and have a two location church now between Long Island, uh, and, uh, Queens actually. Yeah, so you were, um, before that, you were at a, a church, um, but I think you have uh, some musician background as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? 
Now I'm gonna. I know there's some people listening who can identify. I was that guy who was uh, well, like a Swiss Army knife. I led worship. I served in kids when it when I had to un- unloaded everything, loaded it back up, and I used to actually have a negotiated leave time where I could uh, tour. So I toured and did music, and I spent my time between the House of Blues and the House of God. That was kind of that was like kind of my life for a while, and I was always one of those guys who thought like, well, I'm gonna be this successful musician and then eventually church plant and ended up church planting way sooner than I thought. So So with with V1 church, you committed wholeheartedly into like, man, this is now what what I'm all about. And uh, how long ago was that? It's about three years ago. I I was the executive pastor at a mega church in Northwest Indiana. And I actually really surrendered to the idea of being number one at number two. And I, I just, there's so many guys who want to be church planners. They want to be number one. And I was like, you know, it's arrogant and everyone thinks they're number one. And I was like, you know what, God, like when I look at the picture of Jesus, I see Jesus saying, I don't do my own will. I do the will of my father. So I kind of really surrendered to this idea of like, what if I'm supposed to be number one at being number two? And right in that season, all these doors opened up for V1 Church to be birthed. And it, it's a miracle straight up. I know we don't have time to get into it today, but the story of V1 Church is legitimately me taking music and all my ideas and putting them on the altar, kind of like my proverbial Isaac. And um, when I went to go plunge the knife into it, it, it went all the way in. <laughs> God was like, kill off all that stuff and go plant this church, son. So to give us some context on V1 Church, can you, um, it's not a boast or anything, but can you just tell us some of uh, your numbers and you had a couple campuses, right? Can you just uh, describe uh, V1 Church uh, where you are? Yeah, so we, long story short, just playing and doing shows, I had met people out in New York City Metro, led them to Christ and then started discipling them. And I think that the model that we have is a disciple making movement that has become a church planning movement. So it's like the micro gave gave rise to the macro. Because the only way I can explain to people why we've been able to do what we've done in such a seemingly short period of time is that we went slow to go fast. So really the story starts with evangelism in a bar, in non-traditional locations, leading people to Christ, and then discipling them. And as a part of that discipleship was make disciples that make disciples. And then now, three, four, five years later, even though our church is only a year and a half into regular weekly services, people are like, well, how are you already at two locations? And you're like, but we went slow to go fast. So uh, right now we, we, we're a year and a half into regular weekly service. About 500 people called V1 Church home. We started with 18 people a year and a half ago. Um, So it's been incredible growth. And um, I just like, again, the only explanation I really have about how that's sustainable has been what we do on the micro with discipleship. Um, because if you know anything about the Northeast, our story pretty much defies every statistic of what should have happened to us. <laughs> so explain that a little bit. I think um, for, for giving context to people that are in Florida or Texas or uh, any other state in Kansas like I am, um, I had to learn about that too. There's like a Northeast um, uh, thing like where it's really hard to do church in, in the Northeast and in New York City. Can you, can you explain some of the, the, the challenges that you face in that area? Yeah, here's where I think this has value for the listener. I think people look at the Northeast 
like, oh, they're the exception to the rule. I personally believe that I'm living in someone else's future right now. And I have this ability through this podcast to say like, hey, I'm you 10 years from now because we're New York City, that we live kind of in this post-Christian environment. And so I just feel like I live in someone else's future. So the problems that we encounter now, I believe are going to be the problems of Kansas 10 years from now. You know, and so how I'm engaging with a post-Christian culture because I'm not in the Bible Belt may be what, you know, people may be doing what we do now five, six, seven, eight years from now when it finally hits their community. So let's talk about some of the tactics. Like what, what are you doing to, to help um, the people of New York City who are skeptical just naturally uh, come and, and be a part of your church? What's, what are you doing that's working? Okay, so as a church planter, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, well, how do I grow my own community? How do I accumulate this critical mass of people? You know, how do I fill seats or whatever? You have a similar problem that I have. And the problem is there's a lot of noise right now. And, you know, you're competing, like people listen to your sermon for, you know, 30 minutes. They're in a 70 minute service. And then they're on their phone, like quadruple that amount of time just in that same day, and then multiply that by seven days. So, you know, I think everyone sort of has the same problem. In New York, it's just compounded by the fact that you have 10 million people in a 20 mile radius. So there's even more noise and there's more things biting for people's attention. And then for because of that here, everyone's trying to sell you something. And so when you come along as a church planner and you're like, well, I'm God's solution to all of your problems like your marriage is in in the gutter and you know your kids are acting crazy like i'm god's response to all of your problems and this church is going to solve everything for you through the finished work of the cross and a healthy church community and people here in new york are like okay so that's your snake oil but the psychic medium on the corner also has all the answers and the fitness guru on the other corner also has all the answers and so for me i've had to learn how to engage with this very high level of skepticism and you know here in new york it's like people they have this 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 weird persona where it's like, I don't, they basically are like, I don't know you, so I don't want you to look at me or talk to me, or I will physically fight you. That's kind of like the persona. But then oddly enough, if you can break through that barrier of skepticism, when once you're in, you're in. And the sense of family that we have here and the sense of community is unparalleled to anything I've ever experienced in the Midwest. And so I think breaking through that skepticism barrier was like, one of the biggest goals that I have, and we still continue to do that to this day. So in your services, you were telling me that you, uh, you'll you be intentional about, hey, I want to meet you personally. Like you'll do some things that uh, help you connect with that person that's there for the first time. What does that look like for you? Well, for me, I had to think differently. So a traditional service format is a monologue. I'm talking on the stage. Like the only time I want to hear your voice is if you're saying amen or shouting me down. And that's totally appropriate. Like you need that format to preach the gospel, to deliver your message. But in New York, it's like I knew that people were leaving services every Sunday saying, 
you know, I kind of agreed with this, kind of didn't agree with that. And, or because they have a, a secular worldview, they don't have a biblical worldview. This isn't, you know, a churchianity environment. And so I started saying, you know what, what if I became a little bit more like what I see Paul in the book of Acts, like kind of gorilla ground up, like what happened instead of like a new guest experience where I'm just like shaking hands and kissing babies, what if I engaged with them in an intentional way and said, hey, any question you have, I'll answer it. And I started doing that. I, and, and from, so we had an outro closer. So I'd preach the message, do a call to salvation, pray it out, and then walk off the stage. And then somebody will come on stage and say, wasn't that an incredible message by Pastor Mike? Hey, if you have any questions whatsoever about what this, my pen, I'm using my pen like a microphone. Um, <laughs> If you have any questions whatsoever about what you heard or what you experienced in this service, he's going to be available on the mezzanine to answer any questions you have. And what would happen was 20, 30, 40 people in the beginning when we first started doing this especially would flood the mezzanine and I'd be standing in the middle of the circle like Gary Vanderchuk, the Christian pastor version. And people are like, well, what does the Bible say about this? Or what about this? Or you said this point. And I'll tell you at first it was super stressful. So if you're listening and this is giving you anxiety thinking about doing this, my challenge to myself at that time was like, well, you know what, Mike, you're going to have to know the word better. Like you're going to have to really be able to think. And I'll tell you like, what would happen every single week is I would answer a question and someone would start crying. Then I'd answer another question, someone else would start crying. And then before you know it, these people would, would leave as advocates of our church and say, you know what, not only was I skeptical, but now I'm for it. And they became ambassadors of V1 and started bringing their friends. And they'd actually even say, I have friends who would come to church, but they're super skeptical but I'm going to bring them because the pastor will answer their question. And it literally became a mechanism by which we grew. And um, it's still something to this the day that we do, we make, I'm available after every service to, to answer questions. And it's a little bit harder now that we've grown and we're multi-site, but that the heart is still there. So, and I've seen you do some things even beyond the service that um, kind of have the same heart behind it. Like, how do I break down the skepticism that's already there to even come to a church and, and hear a message? So I've seen you do like a video blog. Can, can you maybe unpack uh, maybe, maybe the video blog itself or maybe a couple other things that you're trying that you've seen uh, working for you? Yeah, I want to give everyone listening more of a mentality. No, number one, you should you should try a lot of this stuff, like experiment all the time, right? Like Amazon is thriving right now because they have this ethos that says um, we are we are constantly in the research and development phase forever, and they tell that to everyone working for them, like we're in the research and development phase forever. So New York forced me to experiment more than most. But one of the things that you, the mentality is this, you could be mad about the barriers you're encountering, or you can, you can look at it as an opportunity. So for me, it's like people in New York are skeptical. A lot of pastors in New York I've talked to, they're just mad about it. You know, it's like, they're just, and I think that the, the tendency is when we, when we hit a barrier, we say, you know what, it's their problem there. And, and so instead of me looking at, the people like, well, it's your fault. You're skeptical. It's like, no, I, this is an opportunity to grow, to inter innovate. And so I actually started a vlog, a video blog on YouTube where I just said, you know what? If their number one question is who's the pastor, because that's pretty much the number one question of the church. Who's the pastor and who goes there? I'm just going to show them as much as my wife will let me. <laughs> so, 
So I started, I, I, I had no clue how to film. I had no clue how to use Final Cut and edit. I just had uh, one of our staff members, Evan, teach me how to edit on Final Cut. I, he showed me how to use a, a Canon 70D, and I literally got a Gorilla monopod and just filmed my whole life, like every, from the morning till night, and started putting, I think I got 40 episodes deep. And I, actually what happened was it did drive church attendance because it was like it was another front door. So instead of being the, ch the church experience being the front door, the vlog, the video blog was the front door. And it's like, oh, this guy has a wife and kids like I do. And he encounters New York City problems. Like I would do an episode where I drive around for 45 minutes to 55 minutes looking for parking. And everyone else is like, oh, you know. This guy's from Indiana, but he's kind of a New Yorker now too, because he's also driving for an hour looking for parking, you know? So it really helped me break barriers, especially in the beginning of our church plant, which was not too long ago. So I love how you just apply, you know, you learn stuff, you apply it. You mentioned Gary Vanderchuk. Um, there's a, you know, he, again, if you don't know Gary Vanderchuk, it's just an online marketing guy that puts a bunch of stuff out there that you can uh, try. Uh, we, we recently worked with Mike to help um, redo the V1 website. And one of the big things was to, hey, hey how, how can we do this to where we are on the offense? You know, we're, we're out there reaching, trying to reach people. So um, we, we just actually launched or getting ready to launch a chat bot, which is basically that little box in the lower right-hand corner you might see on some of those websites where you can engage with somebody. But Mike's like, hey, let's try it. Let, let's just try it. Um, see what works. In fact, Mike, just a quick update while we're on this podcast, we, we applied that to um, Vibrant Church, uh, Pastor Brandon Sarek. And uh, he, he's in pre-launch, but man, he's been getting a lot of conversations um, going on with the, uh, with the chat bot. And it's amazing how people just, uh, it's just a, a chat and they ask you questions and one thing leads to another and all of a sudden they're like, I'll be there. Most churches struggle to let people know that they exist. You end up being the best kept secret in town. I want to tell you about Church Marketing University, which is an online course to show you how to market your church. It talks about how to do big events so you get great results, how to do Facebook marketing. How does that work? It's changing all the time. Well, the course is there and it's designed to help you uh, learn new strategies. It's updated on a regular basis and it has all the resources you need, downloads and different things to help you customize your marketing for your church. In fact, I even do an entire module about branding and how to brand your church. And that's just one of many modules that are inside Church Marketing University. I want to encourage you to get it. You're going to see great results as you implement the tactics that are talked about and you're going to see more people showing up at your church and that's really the goal of church marketing university so i want to encourage you to get it i have an affiliate link i'm going to give that to you uh in our show notes on the podcast and anywhere that you hear this podcast just look look in the notes and you'll find my affiliate link to get it it'll make a difference i want to encourage you to get it it's well worth it because you're going to see greater results greater numbers of people showing up at your church and hearing the vision that god has given you What else can you share that you've tried? Uh, maybe um, YouTube stuff that you've tried or um, any, any resources like Gary or anybody else you'd want to give a shout out to that maybe has helped you try a couple things that are, that are new. Yeah, I love it. Like I said before, I think that no matter what stage of life your church is in, if you try to institutionalize the value 
for trying new things. Because, you know, we live in this world that's changing so rapidly that the way in which people engage changes and you have to be, you know, so for example, and we've kind of gotten away from this now, but we really put a lot of stock in building large text groups. And so we were using like, like text texting and we would have segments. So like the entire youth group is in a segment and we text them because the read rate on texting was pretty high. You know, even if you don't open the text, you still get this little notification that lets you read enough to, to stalk the person stalking you, you know? So we were really big into that. And um, we did that for a while until we found that it sort of died. And then um, emails and building value that way in people's lives. But a lot of it too is I think when you talk about um, experimenting, you just want to ask the question, am I bringing value to the person? Like, am I making this matter for them? Because I think a lot of times, especially when you're, when you're birthing something, whether it's a church or a business, you're in survival, survival mode. And that survival mode can become very selfish because you're thinking, I put my family on the line. I'm in New York city. We're from Indiana, you know, like, and the, what, what will happen is that survival mode can cause a lot of selfishness. So your, even your experimentation be, can become selfish. So I think no matter what it is that we've tried, we've tried to remind ourselves like how, in what way does this serve people? So whether they attend our church or not, how does it bring value, you know? And so whether it's our quote picks online, like we've really went aggressively into Facebook and Instagram and um, serving up content that's like, whether you attended our service or not, this preaching clip or this, this quote pick is something that you want to share because it helped you and you want it to help your friends versus. So I think that's kind of, that was like a huge flip for us when we are like, it's less of a billboard and it's more of a resource. Like how is the content that you're creating and putting out becoming a resource for people? Because then they're going to want to share that organically. And so we kept doing that. And actually in the process of that experimentation, um, accumulated some incredible talent of people who even stopped going to church altogether, but was like, you know what, I'm going to try it again because this church seems like it's going to help me in this particular season of my life. So we kind of filtered all of our experimentation through that. Uh, I love it. I, I love the idea of like looking outside the church world for some, some thoughts or ideas or different uh, methods to engage with people. Cause you know, businesses are trying to do that in a, in a million different ways. And we can learn from that. Uh, we can we can do email marketing. We can we can get into uh, chatbots. We can get into webinars. We can get into a bunch of stuff. I mean, I feel I feel like man, I, I want to present that as part of this podcast of like, hey, why don't we try a few things and experiment in a few different ways because we just want to reach more people. The gospel is the gospel, and just we just got to get more people to hear about it. Um, so I love. Um, there's this book called The Power of Moments. I don't know if you've read that book. It's by Dan and Chip Heath. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great book. And I just came up as you were sharing some of the stuff that you, uh, you were doing at, at the church, uh, at V1, I was thinking, man, that, he's creating some moments that people are going to be, um, it's going to define maybe a, a, a time in their life, uh, their faith journey where you're creating these moments for them. And I think, uh, as churches, we have great opportunities to do that on, on a regular basis. Um, is there any innovation that you're working on right now where you're just thinking about it or in process of, you know, working through right now? Oh man, always. So I'll give you guys two of them. If there are total fails, we'll have to do a follow up or something. But <laughs> one of them is, um, you know, you're, you're really always trying to communicate on the platforms that people are communicating on. 
And so one of the things that we started to experience was like there's this iPhone versus Droid division. And one of the ways that we've kind of like, and then the other thing too, though, is like Facebook groups are great. And for a long time, our church did a private, and we still do it today, but like a private Facebook group, for example. So if, if you go through our assimilation process, which is a lot like growth track and those types of things, when you come out on the other side as a member, one of the perks was you had a, a kind of like curated exclusive content via the V1 church, like members, you know, uh, secret group, right? And that's something that like we still do but what we noticed was that our reach was just plummeting like out of nowhere and you're kind of at the mercy of like Facebook's algorithms so when you know let's say we have 300 people in this private Facebook group our reach started to go down to like 10 15 20 people per post so then we're like okay we need to switch gears so now we're actually really um, going all in on WhatsApp, which kind of sounds like crazy, but a lot of the Generation Z are doing these like WhatsApp groups where you can basically subscribe to it or become a member of it. But what's cool is you can make them interactive where anyone can text into it, but you can also make it essentially like a group where only the admin can post content. And there's a lot less noise on WhatsApp than there is on Facebook. So we switched over to WhatsApp and then our reach went way up again. So it's like, that's kind of an, you know, that's kind of an experiment that we're doing. And then the second one, I think that's interesting to people and going back to WhatsApp, you can, we use WhatsApp to communicate to our team. So we'll have it broken down by groups and it's like, it's like texting, but it's, you take team iPhone and team droid and you unite them on WhatsApp. And so that's been huge. It has all the features that you'd expect from like an iOS style, like interaction, like voice and all that. And so we're loving WhatsApp. And there's actually some other uh, prominent New York City churches that are utilizing WhatsApp like this. And then the other thing we're doing with you with the, the website and all that is the plan your visit concept. And um, but then more specifically, and I don't know where if this has implications for people who are in super rural areas, but um, we've partnered with Uber. And so if somebody says that we have a little button, we need transportation, we remove that barrier and we've actually made these Uber events where like each Sunday is an event and we have a certain allocation of money and then we can send people coupon codes and they can give themselves a ride to church back and forth because of this Uber. And actually we were up 25 guests a couple, two weeks ago on this concept because people are like, especially in the city, they're like, man, I want to go to church, but I'm going to have to Uber because the bus and the subway take too long. And I don't know that I want to spend that money. And we're like, Hey, we have an allocation of funds. Here's a coupon code. And they come with their kids and they love it. And then they keep coming back. So Wow, that's that's really cool. Thanks for sharing, uh, man. The Uber thing is really neat. Um, that that's great. I, I it takes me back when um, it was a few months ago. We both went to a, a conference, the same conference, and um, I, I remember leaving the conference, going to the airport, and I saw Mike walking uh, through the airport. Or, yeah, I think you were sitting at a table, but you had a um, a seventy D on top of a Gorilla Pod, 
And we, it was a long story, but you know, you were trying to catch an international flight to go to Columbia, I believe, because you're anyway, crazy story. Um, but that's what I think about. I, um, with, with you, Mike, is just how you, you're trying stuff. You know, you're walking around the airport with a gorilla pod and a 70D and a huge microphone and you're recording what's going on and creating these videos that are really engaging and interesting to, uh, to watch. So um, I'd like to encourage anyone to find Mike and, and see what he's doing. Um, I think it's really encouraging. I could geek out on stuff with you for a while. So thanks for, thanks for doing this stuff. Um, I'm going to wrap it up, though, with one final um, question. It's really an audience question that um, you know, from time to time we get some comments coming through. And, man, I love to present some of those to our guests. So here's your question, Mike. Uh, why should a church spend money on marketing instead of using money to help orphans? I think this is a great question. So um, I want to say this. I want to start by saying that churches should help orphans. Um, and, and I, but I also think that you, you can't be so myopic and one-dimensional that you can't see a church doing both. And here's why. A percentage of all the funds that come through V1 Church go directly out to missions, both locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. I'm, I literally sent, some, right before this interview, I sent a guy to Puerto Rico to do missions, you know? Um, but I think the implication of marketing is we need a vehicle by which we can reach more people to reach more people. So, if, so for example, and this is just people, you know, I think just to spiritualize it, and I would, I would argue that the, the fish and the loaves of bread was a marketing tactic for Jesus to draw a large crowd. Because the reality is he fed them a meal, he multiplied it supernaturally, but then they were hungry again two or three hours later. So he didn't solve an eternal need in that moment by feeding them, he just attracted them as a result of feeding them. And I think that it's important to, when you, when is to attract, you know, marketing allows you to reach more people, which accumulates more funds to help more people. So for me, my why behind marketing is to say, you know what, if a portion of our budget, like let's say 10%, our church does a tithe and 10% of all of our funds go out to planting more churches to widows and orphans and underprivileged people then if I market and more people come become connected to our vision and give, then proportionally that 10% represents more money every single year. And so for me, um, if you're really, really into reaching the lost and you're really, really into reaching orphans and underprivileged people and disadvantaged people, then you should also be into marketing. <laughs> because what you're saying is would I would I rather reach like we did Christmas for in the last two years we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars for Christmas for people across Long Island and New York City and it all started because there was a guy in our church doing the same concept on the micro and then we said hey what if we partnered with entrepreneurs and got the word out and and you know what we did that and we reached over 500 people plus in the last couple of years to provide Christmas for them. So I think, but marketing was a part of that. And so I think that if you want to scale up how many orphans that you care for, you'll start caring about marketing. So it's about helping more people. And so I think sometimes people just miss that and they, and you know, they over spiritualize it, you know? And when I see the story of Jesus and how he reached people, I see this convergence of the natural and the supernatural. So it's like you take marketing and the natural and you take the supernatural and you do more because of it. 
Thanks, Mike. Man, I really love that perspective. Thanks for sharing. Uh, where can people find you if they wanted to check out more about what you're doing? Yeah, you know what? I would love to engage with you guys and have great conversations. Um, first of all, if you go to Instagram and you go to Mike Signorelli underscore, you can find me there. Or you can follow the church, which is very simple. It's V1 New York. So V is in Victor, the number one, then New York. And you can find my account through there on Instagram. And then uh, same thing on, on Facebook. Um, and then you can hit up our website directly and find links to all this at v1.church. I, I'd, uh, one final, final question. Um, V1, t- can you tell me what that is? Like why, why V1? Yeah, I'll give you guys the 20 second version. My wife and I were really wrestling with the idea about whether or not we were really church planners or not. I kind of mentioned it at the beginning of this, this interview. And I kind of, I said, you know what, God, New York is, it, it could be a pipe dream. It could be this sexy, cool, I want to go to New York, you know? And I need to know that it's really your Holy Spirit that's speaking this into my family's life. And I need to know that whatever. So we went to a link conference and we were wrestling in the parking lot with whether or not we were really going to go forward with this. And um, John Varekin actually preached a message and he got to the end and he's like, there's a couple that's wrestling with this, 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 this vision for their life. And I feel like God wants me to tell you it's time to go V1. And he said that V1 is when an airplane takes off the runway and the moment it takes off is called the point of no return. And it's when you say that, um, you know, whether the engine blows up or a tire blows out, you've decided this plane is out of runway and it has to fly. And for us, that was a moment where we were like, we felt that God sovereignly spoke and said, you guys are out of runway. It's like this thing is going to fly. And it's funny because we came out of that, that link conference and we said, you know what, without it, because at that point we didn't have a launch team. We didn't have finances. We had nothing. We just had the vision. We said, we're going to commit to the vision. We're going B1, you know, the point of no return. We're going to take flight with this thing. And within a couple weeks after that, the team just manifested. The money started to come. Like it was that's part of the miracle of it. And so here in New York, we tell everyone, when you make a decision to follow Christ, you go V1 with your dreams, with your visions. Um, and you just say, there is no plan B. There's no escape hatch. I'm flying this thing. <laughs> Man, super encouraging. Thanks for uh, unpacking. And, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoy connecting with you uh, anytime we get a chance to do that. And uh, it's fun to, to kind of geek out on some of this marketing stuff. Um, so thanks again, Mike, for coming on the Church Brand Guide podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, I loved it and I uh, can't, can't wait to see what comes next.